Lord, open our ears to hear your word and our hearts to receive them. Amen. So here we are, the second Sunday of Advent, and our theme is peace. I don't usually give a lot of Bible quotes during a sermon because they can sometimes be, um, they can sometimes interrupt the flow. But I'm making an exception this week because peace is such a recurring theme throughout the Bible. I want to try and illustrate that. You don't need to try and remember them. I've made them into bookmarks for you to take home. I hope you all got one. If you didn't, there are some um, over there. They're all the same, but um, during the piece, you might like to offer yours to the person next to you as an additional sign of peace. Even if you're not handshaking, it's still possible to exchange one without physical touching. But you don't have to, just do whatever's comfortable for you. So as I said, peace is that recurrent theme throughout the Bible. And it holds a valid place in the teaching of the New Testament. And yet, in our hostile world, its existence and meaning are rapidly fading. The selfish desires of human nature have destroyed its beauty. But the roots of peace are buried deep in Jesus Christ, for he was called the Prince of Peace. Do you remember those words from Isaiah? A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But the peace which describes Jesus means far more than without strife and hostility. If we look at the Hebrew translation, Shalom, it means with security, well-being, and tranquility. Isn't that wonderful? All the things that the magazine articles and television programs tell us that we should be striving for. And we try, don't we? We do try. All those hints and tips that we're given that we're assured will help us achieve it. But quite where does Jesus feature in all of that? Is Jesus the missing link? I rather think that he is, because the most that we achieve, if anything at all, is a short-term fix. But peace was made perfect in Jesus. He was complete and his relationship with God and man was one of perfect harmony. Through his death on the cross, he broke down the barrier to hostility which humankind had built between themselves and God. 
enabling us to be united to God in peace. Chapter 1 of Colossians tells us that through the Son, then God decide, <coughs> sorry, through the Son, then God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself. God made peace through his son's sacrificial death on the cross and so brought back to himself all things, both on earth and in heaven. And it's very important that as Christians we attain this same peace of which Jesus is such a wonderful example. Partly because it should be our ultimate aim to be like Jesus, but also because God designed the human body for love and for peace. And it's God's desire that we should work at our faith so that it may become, as he intends it, complete in love and peace. 2 Corinthians says, strive for perfection. Listen to my appeals. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So there are three, <coughs> three categories of peace that we should be working for. Peace with God peace among humankind and inner peace. And since peace comes from God, we cannot truly have peace among ourselves and within ourselves until we have been reconciled with God. When we are justified by faith, we shall remain secure in peace. book of Romans in chapter 5 says to us now that we have been put right with God through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and having reached a state of peace and harmony with God we're able to work for the restoration of peace amongst and within ourselves is achieved by our own spiritual battles and the ability to endure and it's maintained through faith and the result will be the absence of enmity a bond of love between the peoples self-acceptance and inner tranquility Jesus came into the world to proclaim the word of God and to offer peace. He is God's example in his integral peace and being one with God. He speaks of this peace as my peace I give unto you. And it's far beyond human understanding and can't be equated with that which the world gives. In John chapter 14 it says, Peace is what I leave with you. I do not give as the world 
It is as the world, <coughs> but as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. And Colossians says, the peace which Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions you make. For it is this peace that God has called you together in the one body. And be thankful. Is the peace of Christ that is shared amongst Christians at communion in the offering of the peace? And this has a far, far deeper meaning, meaning than simply wishing other Christians calm and well-being. It is a sure sign of God's love and reassurance. And at the touching of hands, our lips should break with words as powerful and beautiful as those of Paul speaking to the Romans when he said, May God, the source of hope, fill you with joy and peace by means of your faith in him, so that your hope will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us strength in times of weakness and a never-failing love. But his blessing on each one of us is peace. We hear it in the Psalms. Psalm 29 says, The Lord gives strength to his people and blesses them with his peace. And now we're back again to Isaiah, where it says, The mountains and hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. I will keep forever my promise of peace. So says the Lord who loves you. It really can't be more explicit, can it? And yet I struggled to find a meaningful ending to this sermon. There's so much going on in our world at the moment that is shocking and devastating, particularly in Ukraine and more recently in Gaza and Israel. As we see the devastation and destruction unfolding on our television screens, and hear the shocking reports of rape and abuse and all kinds of atrocities, we are left numb. Often when I'm looking for some inspiration, I'll go out into the community and almost always I will end up seeing something or talking with someone that will inspire me. But it feels to me that at the moment, whatever our faith or culture, there is the same numbness over what is happening in our world. People don't know what they should be doing. Should they be taking sides? That's usually what you're supposed to do when there's an argument going on, isn't there? They wish that they better understood the background to what's going on. 
But there is some encouragement. And locally, I've been encouraged that among the, the Muslim community, there has been fundraising events held uh, to raise funds for Gaza and for, for what, all, everything that's going on. And I've noticed that they've made an even greater effort to make sure that the community understands that these events are open to all of us and not just to their community. And I think we are very blessed to live in a multi-faith, multicultural community that really does strive to live in peace with one another. And today, <coughs> the, um, I call it the, the new mosque in, in Barton Street, uh, which is where the, um, the old community centre used to be, um, it's holding an open day. And one of the main uh, themes is to explain what Jesus means to Muslims. And I hope that the intention is to share together as a community and demonstrate our common desire for the peace of God to reign. But I think what eventually came to me is that yes, peace is a gift from God. It is a blessing. But it's not something that we can just say thank you for and put on a shelf. Like all of God's gifts, it is given for the benefit of others. And in order for it to benefit others, we have to do something with it. We do have the capacity to bring about change in Gaza and in Israel and all the other places in this world where there is everything but peace. But it will be at a cost. What we have to decide is whether we're prepared to pay for it for the sake of all of God's people, that we may all live in peace. Amen.